Alright, so today I'm going to be talking about American, and we are going to get into like some more serious personal matters later on, although we're not going to be going into specifics out of respect. But, uh, you know, it's just like a really weird time to be playing the game. American's one of the older pirate players, and a decent few of the older pirates have been permitted for one reason or another, and it's just kind of going to be interesting to like look into how that's affects the people in question, you know, the old, the, the remaining older pirate players, the old guard that still plays, so to speak, and then just be looking at the sort of ramifications of people feeling entitled to having access to that information, you know, understanding the ban reasoning, all that sort of stuff, and just the fallout that has on the people being affected themselves. I feel like it's important to focus on the individual here. Uh, anyways, take it away, American. Yeah, so, um, I'm American. Uh, I go by Danny now, um, really. I mean, everyone pretty much calls me Danny. Um, but, I mean, I'm still uh, I'm still uh, verified on RGL's American. Um, I was originally, when I came back, going to have them change my name to Danny. Um, but there was, like, multiple other Dannys already. And there, there was one Danny who was, like, banned for, like, racist and transphobic behavior. Hmm. I was like, uh, I guess I'll just be American then. <laughs> American Danny. Yeah. So I, I kept the name, but yeah, mm. no, I uh, I have uh, played Pyro for quite some time now. Uh, I took a pretty long break, but um, came back um, after watching the season six grand finals. I think it was MCM and KD, and I was watching it with a bunch of my friends, also former TFT players. You were like, man, this looks, this looks pretty fun. So, we got back into the season after. Hmm. And would you say your expectation of like enjoyment has been fun for you? Like, would you say it was an accurate? Depiction? Oh, yeah. oh yeah, no, for sure. It's been so much fun. It's been like I feel like I I'm having more fun than I ever did before. Honestly, um, maybe it's it's come with uh, I guess I took a three year break. Yeah, I stopped 2017, and I came back uh, late 2020. So. Almost four years, because it was like, yeah, because it was early, it was early 2017 when I stopped, and late 2020. No, it was eh, mostly mid 2017. Mm. But yeah, uh, no, it's been it's been so much fun. I've been, I've, I've had so much fun playing. It's it's been great. So, have you considered like dueling the other the other Dannys in a fight to the death to like secure the name of Danny? Dude, I I it would be cool if I could be Danny, because I'm, I'm like everyone like who like calls me things like I'm like. Just call me Danny, you know. You don't have to call me. You know? Like, like. Also, like, I can't believe I went by that name for so long. Not even because I don't think it's like a particularly bad name or anything, but it's like it's such a mouthful, right? Like in comms, you're like American, American, American. Yeah, American. yeah, yeah. It's so it's so long. Like it's it's so it's it's just a lot easier to say Danny. Um, Danny Phantom. He's going yeah. ghost. Um, man, I've heard so many Danny Phantom things throughout my life, as, as well as damn Daniel. So, so. <laughs> What made you settle on American first and then Danny later? Okay, so to American, it was because at the time I was playing Max Payne 3. And okay. um, there's a point in the game where um, the main character, Max Payne, is in. He's, so basically, he goes to Brazil and he shoots a lot of people. He shoots a, little, he shoots a lot of people. Let's just say he's a white guy and he kills a lot of. A lot of brown people in Brazil, but oh no, 
But any anyway, anyways, <laughs> and anyways, so ironically, the someone is yelling at him. He's like, "You think you're the great American savior of the poor?" And I was like, "Man, that's that's kind of I like I like I like that. Like I like the irony in that." So uh, that's why I used as my alias. It was so it was actually great American savior. Sweet. Uh, I think for my first season, but I changed it after just American. <laughs> so does he end up coming back from Brazil? Yeah, he does. No, no, actually, no. You know, you want. I think he still ends up staying in Brazil, but he like okay. he lives happily ever after. So it's not it's not a pure work of fiction, you know. You don't just go to Brazil and escape. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we cleared that up. Okay. So um what got you into competitive initially way back in UGC? Um I guess it, I guess what got me into UGC um was there was this in-game not in-game, sorry, the in-community tournament um for a Gmod server that I was a part of. It was a trouble. We played t- trouble in terrorist town. I have like a thousand hours in that game. Also, I've played a lot of TTT. Um, but basically um, it was like a small tournament. Um, money was provided, but so I guess I made more money in that in-game tournament than, or that community tournament than ever, than I ever did in UGC. But um, yeah. So someone provided the prize pool and we played, it was like, it wasn't Highlander though. It was like literally just three V three. So it was like three V three on payload. It was really weird. Hmm. Um, but we played that out, and uh, I played with my my friend Ranzo, who at the time was named Castiel, um, and then um, my other friend. I think his name. I think he was. He was Russian Flood, and we played. And also in the tournament, like were other players who would make the basis of my first Highlander team, um, but they were on different teams. We you know we were all in the same community, but yeah. So we played that. I thought it was cool, and I looked uh, to see a, a tournament. Another tournament that was going on at the same time, or like kind of later, but it was a it was a big tournament. It was an ETF two L tournament, um, mm. and it was it was it was called the Highlander Open, and it was for um, any region. So all regions were invited to it. I, I remember seeing there were like sixty four teams of like nine people in this one tournament. It was huge. Like at the time, there were so many people coming into playing Highlander. Um, so yeah, we, we played that, and it, it was lots of fun. Um, we got a cool medal. Um, I still look back, like I haven't looked at it in a while, but like I bet, like I look in my inventory and look at it, it's like it's like kind of clean, honestly. Hmm. The Highlander Open Medal. Anyways, yeah, so we did that, and then it was super interesting. Once it finished, we, I think we placed like thirty second or something, so not particularly great, but it, it definitely sparked our interest to play more. And then we played Highlander the season after. I think it was UGC season fourteen. Mm, yeah, season fourteen steel guys, we made it. Yeah, guys, we made it. Hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like that, yeah. So you would you would classify yourself as a uh, open player initially, even yeah. way before RGL open. Yeah, exactly. I was. Yeah. Oh no. Originally. Sorry to hear that. Okay, so let's see. It looks like that team went on for a bit before dying. And uh, what class did you did you start on back then? So, was it Pyro from the start? Yeah. So it was it was Pyro from the start, and actually that team actually didn't die. It wasn't changed. The name was changed to Apple. Uh, I led the oh, team okay. from season fourteen to season nineteen, so it actually lived that whole time. Um, um, yeah. Um, so yeah, I initially played Pyro, and um, it, I've always played Pyro. Then, I mean, I guess I—I I don't even really know why I chose Pyro. Like, I really couldn't tell you why I chose Pyro. Like, I think it was like it was just like one of the classes, and I was like, I guess I'll just play this one because uh, Rans was playing heavy, and then our third player was a was a soldier. And I was like, I guess I'll just play Pyro. I don't know. Yeah, in that, that 3v3 tournament. And then I just kept playing it. So, yeah. Didn't you also play Soldier a little bit? 
I played Soldier a little bit in sixes. But, oh, I see. But um, I didn't play too much sixes at all. So. So. Um, sorry. What was that? You're gonna say no, something? No, no, no. That, that was it. That was it. Okay. So, what was it like playing Pyre back then? I imagine it's a bit different these days. Yeah, I mean, like, so I don't have the greatest uh, grip on what ex- how exactly Pyro was played in season fourteen, season fifteen, season sixteen, because I was at such like a, a much lower level, and like my understanding of the game was just significantly less. So, right. um, I remember the air blast. I mean, the switch speed was faster. I remember that, um, and obviously the air uh, the air blast was um, prop people up for you basically rather than blowing them like particularly far away um so that was the obviously the other big thing that was different about it um so my my early part of experiences i can't really tell you exactly how i played it like i'm sure i just fed really really hard like i probably i probably did very little protecting and i did a lot of feeding so yeah at least in the early days hmm, okay um did it seem like pyre's role in the team was like a bit different back then like pyre's place on the meta people's understanding of it um, so, um, the time when I first started under- actually understanding the meta was probably when I was in Plat. so I can talk about that for sure. Um, season 19 through yeah. 21? Yeah, see, so season 19 through t- 21, um, is, is when I definitely got a much better understanding of, of how Pyro was meant to be played. Um, and at the time, honestly, like, Pyro was still meant to be played, like, in a pretty protective manner, like, like how it is now. I mean, I would, I mean, I would... I would say right now the meta for Pyro is to play like pretty pretty passive. Like, would you agree or? Uh yeah, definitely agree. But then it's just like a few teams, like a few Pyros are like, oh, yeah. really kind of just like out there and aggro. And I guess I kind of exist in that group. Res does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, um. Yeah. No. So. So. Yeah. For sure, the meta was definitely to play particularly passive back even back then. Um. And I think it was. Um. Maybe. Maybe this is wrong way of interpreting it but i think that it was part one of the reasons definitely why pyro was um, still protected back then is uh the air blast would literally just prop people up for you so if you had a shotgun like it was easy to do 90 yeah. and if you had flare like it was even easier to hit flares was um, um so, yeah. was there like more diversity in play style back then or would you say less because of just like like something like the scorch shot if that was unbanned around then or just like other weapons unlocks not being as explored yet like the detonator jetpack like what was the sort of development of those secondary options yeah so definitely the the score shot and the detonator were not used as much as um obviously as they were in later seasons oh really yeah no no 100 percent. like i can i can remember all the pyros that i played against back then and none of them used like detonator or score shot full time there's this one pyro in gold i think his name was sunfire and this other pyro named june um i don't know um whether they use it all the time but i know that june and sunfire would, would both use the scorch shot pretty often um in gold mm-hmm. but i didn't play against either of them in plat um so the only times i ever took out the scorch shot was on steel um to spam e and okay. And it's kind of funny because I can I can think of like that's probably one of the only things from the meta back then that that I still do like exactly to the T. Like when I'm on C, if I hear that like if we're holding C point on defense and I hear that their soldier or scout is on E and we need someone extra, I go over and I spam it. 
and I okay. still do that now. So that's like the exact same play from all those back years back then that I still do now. I don't know if it's good or not, but it's something that's that it's that stuck with how I play. Right, right. Uh, what was the community like back then? Did it feel like different, all healthier, more toxic, anything like that? Um, I think back then it was like it was probably worse than it, like probably like a good bit worse now. Like all the like hmm. the pretty like there's some pretty awful people back then, and um, I mean I I wasn't particular like a particularly great person either back then. I was uh, a lot younger and uh, and I didn't act very. Uh, very nice to many people um but so but that's the thing is is that um i think it was a lot easier for those kind of people to be accepted in the greater in the greater uh community you know like i'm i'm talking about like 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 people that like that are really really like far gone now that you that you could think of like i don't i don't even know but like just someone who's like like you know like isn't doesn't really interact with many groups because people know that they're degenerate you know right um that they're not a great person at all like so not like like even like you know someone like who trash talks or something i'm talking about like someone like genuinely like racist like bigoted people right um so like um back then like that was like this that was like the honestly like the standard like i don't know if it was because um of, of the time or like the kind of people that were there but like it was like just really openly awful people back then um and and you know they, they played pugs with with everybody um uh, they were the ones leading the pugs everyone was joining them like you know and and words and like every sentence and like no one batted an eye at all i'm sure there are still groups like that now but right um it, it was it was it was really common so i feel like the community was 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 like really toxic and i definitely didn't help uh help to make it not toxic but um it, it was pretty bad so I try, I try my best to do to do better now that's nice refreshing to hear learning from your mistakes yeah so um let's see what sort of connections did you form from back then like what sort of relationships did you develop like as a player so well, as a player, I mean, I've made so many friends um, playing TF2, um, and there, there, you know, there are so many, um, there's so many people from then that um, I'm still friends with now. There's like my scout from season uh, 14, 15. Uh, his name is Fofufu, um, and like we still hang out like to this day. Like, like we still hang out, we play games and stuff. It's great. Like he, like, it's funny. Like, um, I, I always, I always, always think it's super funny. Like, you know, obviously we're all just people, but I always think it's really funny, you know, that my, um, my scout from season 14, all those years about, you know, 20, it was like 2014 in season 14. Um, and, um, you know, he was playing scout for my steel team and, you know, he, he didn't play again after we won steel in season 15. And he hangs out, you know, nowadays with like, you know, Caroline, also knows you know Peren who right. um won on hood and I just think it's funny that you know they talk to each other and stuff. It's like they're like from completely different eras of TF two and they, you know, interact with each other, play games, you know, play Apex or whatever, just talk, watch movies together. Um and I, I always think it's interesting. It's a, it's just kinda cool to see that I've I've managed to to link so many different uh like groups of people in um a friend group and you know, we can all just chill right. and stuff and and do do stuff like that. Um, so so that that's like the 
most I've made a lot of friends and and, and I'm very uh I'm very lucky to have made so many friends. Um and obviously um as most I feel like a lot of people knows um I, I met my now fiance through TF2. Um we met on guys we made it. Um the story goes um she was on an iron team. This is the, uh, her name is also Jade, also known as Fleeble. Uh, now we met on a uh, she was on the iron team, I was on the steel team, and we just scrimmed the iron team because, like, we were getting our beatings, and we were like, Man, we gotta give somebody the beating. <laughs> so, so, we scrimmed the iron team that their name was Idiotic Cookie Gamers, and we would scrim them and give them the beating. And then there was like, I'm she would clarify how, how exactly it went, but it's like we were joking about trading medics, and then she was like. Messaged me like, do you got do you actually can I actually play medic? And then the next season, our medic left, and uh, we did tryouts, and she got the spot, and then that's how that's how it goes. That was that that is history, I guess. And what was it like? I feel like there's just like a large stigma against just like having that sort of a connection with a person develop online. Yeah, you know, um, I think it was, you know, I think it it was. I would say it was hard at first when we first got together because of, you know, obviously the distance is a huge part. Like there's, you know, so many people now, now at least who have long distance relationships and they can be really difficult. But I really think that a really big part of making those long distance relationships work, at least for me, has been the ability to, to play games and with each other and spend so much time with each other like that because I genuinely I can't imagine being in a long distance relationship and not having such a shared hobby you know like video games like I I don't even know what like like what do you, what would you do if you like, you know if you if you're um, dating someone long distance and like one of you doesn't like play games like I guess right. you just hang out and like watch like movies and stuff like you know and, and i'm not knocking it or anything i just don't know how exactly i would do it because like i really love playing video games like all types of video games so um it, it just it it, it it feels like a lot of the bonding and stuff like just being able to spend time together you know i don't know whether it's like you know running down an apex or uh you know watching her build a garden in minecraft while i like fall asleep or you know um I don't know, watching her, like, also make, like, a farm in Stardew while I'm falling asleep playing the game. But, like, stuff like that, you know, is, like, um, I feel like is is, is really important. It's um, definitely shaped our relationship. Because, like, like, you know, I, I go see her, um, and um, obviously our time is short for that moment. But, you know, I used to get, like, like get really, really sad, but um, obviously um, leaving her. But then, like, you know, as we start to see each other more, I would be like, hey, now you know we're I, I'm coming home and we can play games when I get home. So that's like been like a, it, it just it, you know it doesn't make me feel so bad to to leave. And why do you think there's like such a stigma against just that sort of thing online? Um, I you know I think there's probably a stigma around that because I guess like, um, I, I guess it's because you know you're not meeting a person. I guess. Not organically, because you know we met. I would say we met organically. You know, like we didn't go on like on a on a dating website or anything right. like that. Um, but you know, it's not like seeing a person face to face. So like you know, I didn't know how she looked like for quite some time, obviously. But I I definitely had feelings for her for quite before I even knew what she looked like. But I, I feel like you know, 
there's merit to both ways because like before I even knew what she looked like, I had like such strong feelings for her. And because like, you know, I just, it it was, it wasn't about how she looked or it was about like her as a person, you know, like just completely. Cause I, I, like I said, I didn't even know what she looked like for for quite some time. Um, So I feel like that really, I guess it helped me um, realize how different the feeling was because I, you know, I wasn't like thinking, that, oh, you know, this girl is super hot, you know, like you know, you, you know, you, you see like a, you know, you you, go, you know, you're on campus or something, you see an attractive girl or attractive guy or whatever, um, and you're like, this person is super attractive, and you know, you go to talk to them, but it's because it was like her character and her um, beliefs and you know how she carries herself and right. stuff that made me have feelings for her. Just like the so, experiences you have together, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And do you think maybe there's, like, a stigma because, like, maybe a lot of the time people aren't really, like, prepared for just what it, a long distance or, like, just not really being able to see each other for long spans yeah. of times entails? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. That's another thing is is that that's so hard to, um, to it really is so uh, so hard to, to not be able to see your partner for so long. Um, and, and, you know, obviously it's made it easier with, like, you know, video calls and stuff. But, it, you know, it's not the same as being able to, you know, you know, just be next to them and be in their presence and stuff. So right. that's definitely like another a p- part of it. The, the stigma is, you know, it, it, cause it, cause it genuinely is, it, it can be really difficult. Like not everyone is, is cut out for it because a lot of people need like constant, you know, physical attention and, right. um, you know, everyone needs physical attention, but, um, some people, um, can't do it. Um, uh, can't go, can't go much in a relationship without it. So obviously when you're doing long distance, um, there's, you know, there is quite some time in between being able to give each other comfort. Um, even if like, like, you know, uh, you know, uh, for her, for, for me and her, it's like a one hour flight, but for others, like, you know, it's even longer. Like, you know, right. um, you know, I know, um, I know somebody who's, um, who lives in the States and is dating someone in Australia. And that's like, that's like a huge time difference too. Right. Like it just, it, it's, it, to me, that feels like it would be, um, very difficult to manage but um you know if if people can make it work they can make it work so what's your advice to help people make it work i think that one of the things that helped us make it work for sure is that is obviously having a shared hobby like having but i don't think it has to be video games at all i think like it could be you know it could be video games it could be like you know um watching shows together watching movies it could be like you know board games like D or something i think that's a pretty good one yeah i think those are things that like can easily be done um long distance and can you know and can um really help you bond with the other person hmm. um so so i think that that's my number one piece of advice is if you're doing long distance you have to make sure that you and the other person have really like really a, a, some hobby that you guys can do together often um you know, in place of um, being there for each other um, in person. Right. And then maybe just, like, also, like, being mentally prepared for, like, it and what it might entail, so... Yeah, exactly. No, you you have, like, it's, it's, that's, like, a complete requirement. It's not even, like, a suggestion. Right. Okay. Like, when you go into a long-distance relationship, you have to be prepared for the, the separation. Otherwise, it, it just it won't work, you know? Well, like you, there, you, there you have it from Dating Coach Danny. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, sorry, yeah, that's pretty interesting to hear. So, um, 
what was it like for you initially transitioning into RGL after coming after like not playing for a long time? Oh man, I we were getting the absolute unholy beating from like main teams when we first started playing. Like, oh no! Oh, like I I um I remember like just getting absolutely laid out by this person I never heard of. Um, obviously now I've heard, heard of him, uh, Technomo. He's a invite scout now, so. I definitely knew when I was when I played against him. I was like, this guy's pretty good. So you know, now he's playing invites. So um, there you go. But at the time, I was like, man, I have no idea who Technomo is, but he he is shitting on us, um, and um, it it was bad. Like Country Toad was like dropping like he was dropping like three and seventeens in like oh no oh no I know right like that's not good uh, yeah 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 no it it was bad like at like literally at the time like when we came back we were like thinking like man like. We might have to play main, and like we were okay with it. We were, like, like we weren't like we weren't saying like, "Oh, that's really bad." But I was like saying like, maybe we shouldn't try for advance. Like maybe, maybe we're not good enough. Um, but luckily, uh, through this throughout the preseason, we got a lot better, and um, we were able to play um, advance, and we got third place that season, and mm-hmm. we lost to Spoo, unfortunately. But I th- it happens. Oh yeah, we played in playoffs that season. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we met. We met that season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, as a, as a pyro, um, I definitely had to get used to um, using the scorch shot that season. I, I, ah. I went, I went hard on the scorch shot that season. Um, <laughs> you monster! <yeah. laughs> I had to lecture you on that. I, I think that was the was was that the last season that was loud. Do you remember? Uh, let me see if I could see on the. I feel like that was probably the last season. I don't remember using it in, in um, in season eight. Uh, let's see, December eight. Yeah. Let me just check the dates real quick. Yeah, yeah. I'm on the uh, form thread where it starts getting talked about. Wait. Hmm. Okay. So. Was do you do you remember back to like the older days with like pyro roundtables and all of that? Um, yeah, no, I, I do remember. Um, um, I think, I forget exactly who was in each, but I was never invited to any of them. And oh. um, I've uh, I've mentioned it to Melon, but I'm going to mention it again. Next time you do a Pyro Roundtable, you have to invite me. You have to right the wrongs hey, that you've... We can do one. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, if there's a Pyro Roundtable, I want it. I, I don't even know if I have anything... I don't even know if I have anything to, 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 to add to it, but I deserve, man. I agree. Maybe we could do that in the future. Uh, yeah, so it looks like Season 7 was the last season of it. Yeah, I got okay, banned yeah. after that. Yeah, so I had to get used to using that, um, and um, it was it was tough at first, but then like I started getting into the, into the nice rhythm of fire and forget, you know, hmm. shoot the score shot, turn around, shoot the score shot, turn around. Um, so it, you know it was nice, and it also like helped me um, help me like understand like a different playstyle of pyro than I was used to, because right. um, it wasn't even like just straight up protector pyro. It was also um, about doing, you know, getting rid of crit heals constantly, um, and also um, being able to influence flank fights um, by ensuring that one flank is weaker than the other through constant spam. Um, which is something that I learned and I still try to make use of today with the with the detonator. detonator? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, do you feel like there's like a bit of a different culture, like more like 
just like more of like a self sense of idea for like being a part of like a class back in the older days, like back when the round tables were a thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. No, it definitely doesn't. It definitely feels like there was um. Yeah, I guess like more pride back then. I mean, yeah. to be honest with you, I don't know if I ever felt any particular pride for being um, a pyromaniac. Thing, you know, I just like playing the game. Um, but no, I mean, I definitely like like you would see it. Like you know, there were um, there's the pyro roundtable. There was a spy roundtable for sure. I remember. Um, I forget if there was anything else, but there was also like you know, um, what is it? Um, there were class wars back then. I don't know if RGL's <laughs> ever had class wars. No. Um, but um team part yeah no no yeah no there was literally uh it, it was like you know uh, i'm gonna find you the log too so you can take a look All at right. it but um there was also like team pyro logs uh, or not team, sorry not team pyro logs but there was like class wars where um you know they would get um obviously they would try to get um plat players first but you know sometimes there'd be a few gold players um but they would try to get the highest level of pyros spies scouts available into a team and um, they would face off against each other, see which you know which class was best at the game. Obviously, Pyro didn't win. Um, <laughs> no way. Um, uh, what class do you think won in that class? In the class wars, I want to I want to say like maybe Team Demo or Scout. It it was I'm pretty sure it was Team Scout. Yeah, mm. that one. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, here is the log. Okay. okay uh, th this was the only Team Pyro log. Unfortunately, we were eliminated in the first round. By Team Spy. Skill issue detected. <laughs> literally, literally, the Pyro's lost to the Spies, man. <laughs> the hard counter gets countered. Look, 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 you, see, you got Melon in there. You got you know, you got Johnny from Cali. Spring Rolls. Spring Rolls, Zukima. So, um, why do you think we don't really see those sorts of things these days? I don't know, honestly. I... I... It, it, yeah, no, no, it's honestly, it's kind, it's kind of... I definitely don't don't know if I had to really think about it. Maybe it's just, you know, people stopped really like Hmm. I don't know. Maybe maybe people stopped thinking about things um in terms of like I mean like like I don't know if it's exactly a bad thing that there isn't as much um pride in the classes anymore because I feel like now there's a lot of different like like types of um uh things like you know there's the bowl spreadsheet where they do like the rankings and stuff and you know there's not just bowl spreadsheet but there's like other like advanced spreadsheets as well um or like um the, like these strategies and stuff that are discussed between uh teams and stuff um they don't they're not they don't exactly like cater to one class so like i definitely haven't talked to other pyros about strategies um like they did it back then. But we like, we I, used to. Me and yeah, you. yeah, 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 yeah. No, you know, d d definitely. But like, but like, you know, back then, like, I I for sure remember like like Pyros talking to each other and stuff about different strategies and stuff. I'm not sure if other classes did it, uh, but Pyros definitely did it. And I don't feel like nowadays people do it. Um, hmm. Obviously, you know, there's still demo reviews and stuff, right? Um, but um, other than that, typically, like you don't you don't see it too much, and I'm not exactly sure why. I, I I don't know if I would necessarily say it's a bad thing either, because what I was trying to get at is that now I hear a lot of discussion about strategies in general, um, like for team wise, like different teams, like you know they they um tinker with and then you know they do them in scrims mm -hmm. and then discussion like um 
comes from um comes after that for example like we saw ad do a super cool strat um on uh, Swiftwater, and what they did is they sent Jacob, their soldier, um, for this is their Demento, blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're on offense, and to break the second hole, they would give him uh, Mantreads, the Beggar's Bazooka, and the Solo Uber, and he would get through every single time through <laughs> Upper, and he would get the Force every single time because the Pyro can't air blast him. Right. He, and the pyro can't reflect all the, all the beggar's bazooka rockets. He the pyro literally can't because there's three rockets. Hmm. So that strat was super cool, and we used it, and it worked. And it never like didn't work. Like it only didn't work like when we when we messed it up, um, like messed up some other part of it. So like we got through, we got the force, and then our people on the ground died or something. Right. Like that. Um, but that strat was super cool to, to see them do. Uh, I'm not even sure if they they thought it was like. Because we saw them do it, and we were like, "Oh, that's cool." I don't know if they like did it, and they're like, "Wow, this is uh, this is troll. Let's not do it again." But we we kept using it, and we thought it was cool. So, um, that's something cool. So, that, you know. do you ever miss those days, though? Um, I don't know. M- maybe. Um, I-, I feel like it's 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 it kind of comes back sometimes with like you know doing a demo review with a fellow uh, invite pyro or you know. Maybe? Um, but it, you know, it's not exactly like a like a big group thing, anymore. right? And I feel like it's cool that like teams are kind of like working together. But it feels like outside of the top few teams, it's like it feels a lot harder for individual players to just kind of like, at least from what it seems to me, it's it just seems a lot harder from to kind of like grow and identify themselves. Kind of like if that makes sense, to just kind of like it just feels like there's a lot less opportunity for players to grow to an extent, like. It, I don't know if that is something you necessarily agree with or makes that much sense to you, but I feel like maybe that was sort of lost going from, like, I guess a more individualized player-based approach to just, mm-hmm. like, trying to make everything work within a specific team, which means, like, some players may not ever really find their stride, right? Or yeah. they might not have good luck with teams and might never get the chance to prove themselves as a result. And it's just, like, I'm not entirely sure that demo reviews really compensate for that like really collective collaboration that helped to build a sense of community yeah yeah no no that's that's well put i don't know if it does uh, replace it either because like you know like a lot of times um like like i guess i guess you're right is, is that a lot of teams now they try to em- uh, emulate how the top teams play and um you know uh, i can attest to with like earlier seasons somebody helped like when we saw uh um better teams doing stuff like we really tried to to force it on ourselves not like because we didn't want it but like even if it didn't seem like something like we could do we still tried to do it like i remember um season eight hood had logan playing on cliff and carson playing on the ground um so logan scout carson heavy um on product um at some point i don't know if they kept doing it but like i'm pretty sure i could ask paren too but i'm pretty sure that that's what they did pretty consistently and that is weird that is so weird right and it's like and we tried to do it on in scrims and like it did not it did not work for us but we still tried to emulate it and i'm not sure if it if it was like you know it's worth giving it a shot once but to try to force it after you're like man this like this doesn't work for us it's like i don't know if it's exactly right a a good thing to follow like sometimes it's just like 
you require certain players to do those things, and it's like you can't yeah. ever really replicate that. Exactly, exactly. And I just feel like, especially just like in the lower divisions, it's kind of like harmful. Like maybe it's just like hurt the kind of development of individual players in a sense like i feel like it's really important to just have a greater sense of like class community again and to that i would ask you what do you think could be done to just like kind of revive that sense of identity and cooperation i think that um teams should um so this is on the team end because i honestly have no idea how one could get you know pyros or spies to talk to each other again about different strats strategies and stuff um that's something that just comes with you know the the group of people that are currently right. you know, i guess at the top i guess um but uh, for teams i think it's like like at least for me like from what i've seen like most teams play standard cookie cutter but like in recent seasons for example like with Yi, like those guys play fucking weird man like Oh yeah, for like, sure. Like, like I know firsthand having to play them just recently in the playoffs, and like also we uh, had a double scrim with them for like maybe the past like six or seven months. So like we scrim them on Saturday and then on Monday every time. So like I've scrimmed them so much, and those guys play so so weird sometimes, and it hurts to play against them sometimes because of that. And I think it's super cool that they come up with their own. Um, strategies and stuff, and they um, make use of them, um, whether or not they're a good or um, bad. But they try new things, um, and this isn't th- this isn't things that they get from other teams. At least not that I've seen. Like I, right. I've seen them do things that only they've done, um, and I think it's super cool that that they do that. Um, I think like with teams like Yee coming up and um, and having like a, a a strong like base of people, uh, like, like a base of. Uh, dedicated people who want to improve and also like actually like you know figure out strategies that work for them specifically like they're not they're not doing these strategies i don't think because like they think like like it'll be the you know the meta or whatever i think that they're doing it because it caters to how they play and i think that's that's super important because you know to find how your team wants to play and to um you know create strategies and um, you know, set plays and stuff that you call um, to, to, you know, to do that, to, to cater to your team specifically. Right, and I feel like outside of, like, t- the top, like, where people are, like, super self-confident, like, or, like, just have a certain amount of experience, I feel like you just don't really get people kind of, like, doing that, right? Like, it's just a lot of emulation, like, trying to do what the winning teams do rather than just finding their own strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, no, no, that's completely... Yeah, yeah no, that's completely true. A lot of teams, like, will um, will, will look at... You know, we're not, um, you know, we're not free of this either. Like, like for sure, somebody help has done it, like, a lot where we see another team do it and then we try right. to do it. And then we're like, it, it, didn't, it doesn't work for us. And we're like, why doesn't it work for us? And, you know, one can say, like, you know, the other team is just better. But, uh, and, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, that is the answer. Sometimes um, there are things that the t- only the top teams can do because they can just, they just can just out DM other teams. So they can just do whatever. But there are things that any team can do, like in, in any scenario, um, as long as they, um, you know, position themselves correctly. Like, I think one of the things that um, doesn't have to be, um, or one of the things that, like, one of the greater plays, like in the macro sense, so like um, forward holding on Asheville bats, um, every team can do can do that forward hold 
hundred percent in the right circumstances. It doesn't matter. I don't, I don't think that it matters um, what their DM is like. I think right. any team can do that to another team, and it depends on how they position themselves. Because I think that um, help has um, the way we position ourselves on actual. We do it uh, on actual forward holds. Um, we do it because it it's how we feel most comfortable doing it. Like we feel like this is the best way for us to do it. And um, I don't necessarily think that it's the best way to do it at all. Um, but I think that it works for us most of the time. And so that's the way we do it. And I, th- and like we got, obviously I'm sure so many teams have held them forward hold um, on bats um, before. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure the first team we saw it do it to us was probably like MCM like many seasons ago. Um, but like, you know, I'm, I'm sure that they weren't the first team to afford holding bats either. I'm sure there's been so many teams before them that did it. And I'm not sure which iteration, um, each team follows. Um, but I've seen so many teams do that forward hold. And it's so cool to see how they put their players in each spot. Like sometimes you see a heavy watching bats, a demo, uh, a sniper, um, a soldier and a pyro. Like, like it's super interesting, interesting to see what these teams, um, feel most comfortable with doing um in these holds because you know because they're like obviously they're like the same hold but a, a, a very there's variations of that hold because the goal you know is obviously to burn time um by um holding by by forcing them to either use extremely early or to fight you guys off in both in both scenarios you burn the time um but you know the way you do it um can vary from team to team and i think right so um yeah, I do have a little bit of a tangent to go on, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so this is kind of like what I'm thinking, right? So you get team demo reviews, like you get team demo reviews, you get your own demo reviews, right? But then I feel like that just like sort of teaches you and rewards emulation like sort of subconsciously, even if you're like getting a demo review and trying to find your own style. Mm-hmm. I feel like it just like ends up t- letting you learn yourself a lot less than like collaboration. And it's just like... I'm kind of just intrigued by the idea of just like maybe just like at this point community role models and figures just kind of like stepping up like on each class and just sort of reviving that sense of like cooperation within a class and then kind of combining that with like the more collectivist team approach so it's like maybe just like people trying to get to the bottom things work together on it and trying to like find out what's best for their teams collectively rather than just all centralizing towards like I don't, I don't know. It's like a little bit of a ramble, but um, I was just wondering, like, you know, why don't we really see that anymore? And I feel like it's just because we have like these the bowl of mayo spreadsheets, these player spreadsheets that like try and objectively rank players. So then, conformity is rewarded. You don't want to seem like you don't want to just like. And it's hard to like pinpoint, but I feel like it just kind of puts you more like makes you a bit more hostile towards other players like their potential competition right like it just sort of de-individualizes and doesn't really reward the individual it just teaches you how to conform kind of to what like our perceptions are of a class and what class should be doing and i feel like maybe those like sorts of spreadsheets and whatnot really just hurts the development of a class individually yeah, no, I mean, you you could be right, and, uh, and you know, going back to the demo reviews, um, I think that um, it de- like a lot of the times, like you know, depending on who you get your demo review from, um, you will learn obviously different things, and like obviously, ob- if you're getting a demo review from someone else, a lot of times you are um, getting um, 
you are, you, you know, you're getting advice from someone who's been playing in a certain way for so long. So they're giving you advice that works for them, um, but it doesn't always necessarily work for you. Um, so you know, whenever whenever I did demo reviews, I always try to say, you know, this is what I do. I don't know if it's the right way, but this is what I do. Because um, I want people to, the people who I'm doing demo reviews with, to understand why I do the things that I do. Um, but also, you know, I don't want them to com- emulate it completely uh, if it doesn't work for them. Like, like I use detonators so often, and uh, I've seen like lots of other pyros don't do that. Um, a lot of pyros, you know, switch between the the secondaries a lot. And I, you know, I tell like, you know, I think that the detonator is best here, but um, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to use it. Like, you can use what you think is best, but that's what I think is best, right? You know? So, do you think it'd be beneficial for like just like people to kind of go over the way to like just try and step up and revive that sense of class identity at this point? I'm not sure, honestly, because like uh, another thing about that is that um, for people to do that, it requires like a lot. You know, it requires more effort than the than you know the norm, I guess. And a lot of people, you know, they have um, other responsibilities, um, and I think that the the people back then. Um, who did a lot of that stuff, you know, power round tables and stuff. They, the people with more time, um, who were younger, um, and um, I guess a lot more uh, passionate about like the minute details of uh, the classes. I mean, I think you would fit in like perfectly, like talking about um, pyro mechanics and stuff with um, all the people back then. Um, and um, yeah, so so, but, but um, a lot of times like. For, for example, like, I don't even know if, if I would be able to, 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 to um, you know, do that because, like, I don't feel like I um, can offer that sort of commitment in um, trying to, I guess, like, revive that sort of identity or anything. It, it's definitely something that um, has to come from, like, a, like, like a, a large group of people rather than um, just one person, I think. Right, but do you think it maybe be possible for just like people to kind of like one person kind of start doing, and then for people kind of to just like inspire you try to to do it? Maybe I, I think I think maybe if there's um if if there's people who I, I you know no one can do it alone, but right. uh, I think that someone um you know doing it in conjunction with other people could have a a part in that, but you know okay. I really can't say for sure. So um, what? Would- how many of the uh, older pirate players that like you used to play with, or that were at the top back then, kind of were like around when you came back to RGL? Oh, um, so the pyros that were at the top back then, when I stopped playing, um, so Spring Rolls was definitely a player who was there. I don't, I don't know if he was around. Honestly, he's around when I came back. Honestly. So, I guess not him. Um, Marty was definitely around back then, and you know he was a, he he's still um, playing, um, although he's playing different classes from time to time. <laughs> um, Melon was back was also around back then, but when I when I was playing, she was more inactive. Um, she was um, subbing more than um, maining when I was playing. Um, Hunter um, played one season, I think. Before I quit, he was on Slamming Jammers. Um, um, who else was around? So I'm trying to. The DK's Pyro is Billy Soros. He's not playing anymore. Um, 
Second place was KD. Their pyro was. It was either. I'm pretty sure it was Lazy. And I'm not even sure if you've heard of him. I haven't. Yeah, no. Yeah, so it, it was Lazy who was their pyro at the time, I'm pretty sure. So that's that's another player um, that. Um, you know, he that guy was. was his flares were crazy, um, and he's not around anymore. And <laughs> definitely one of the less heard about pyros, too. Um, because uh, I have not heard his name said since. Um, well, you just said it now. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you know. Uh, do you have a link for his profile or anything? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I'd be interested in showcasing that real quick. So, um, what were the pyre players like when you came back though for season seven of RGL? Like, how many did you recognize? What sort of interactions did you have with them? Um, so definitely like Marty Mellon. Like, I talked to them. It was like you know, it was nice to see where things had gone. Um, how things had been. Um, okay, there we go. Um, and um, Melon Marty, who else? I'm trying to think of who was in that season seven season because so it was um, Melon was on Cuties, Marty was on MM, uh, Candy's Pyro was. It's Candy's Pyro that season. Was it Zukima? It was probably Zukima. It was probably Zukima. Zukima, and then um, third place pyro was Arched, Johnny from Cali. Um, and, and he was around back then, but I don't think he played Plat when I did. Um, but it was like easy to, to recognize that he was he was very good. His shotgun name was, was really good back then. Uh, it still <laughs> is. But it was definitely like like the shot the pyros who I noticed who had like really like exceptional shotgun name were Marty, um, Spring Rolls, and um, Arched. Um, back then, and th- those guys would like definitely because I would use shotgun a, a lot back right. then. Um, I also use flares, but I remember like like you know taking one v ones with them um, with shotgun. Also, another thing that you probably hardly ever see now is literal pyro one v ones. Like <laughs> yeah, like, like I, can't, I can't imagine. I, I've do- I've done it like sometimes, but not as often as I did back then. Maybe it was a it was another like side effect of my playstyle because back then I played like ultra aggressive, like balls to the wall, like super, super, super aggressive. And um, now it would be called feeding. It was probably it was still <laughs> called feeding back then, honestly. Um, but that that's how I played back then. So that might be uh, okay. a um, a uh, a side effect of the way I played. Um, so there's them, and then season seven, I think. Um, who got fourth place? Is Cuties got fourth place that season? Yeah, and Who got fifth? Like, I uh, Solar team. So that'd be TK, I believe. TK, yeah. So yeah, he's another um, pyre that was really good when I came back. Um, um, and I was like, man, this guy's this guy's goaded. Um, definitely, he was not back. He was not um playing when I was in Plat mm-hmm. at least. Um, uh, another pyro um was Cookie, and she's she's also um great. Um. I, when I first started playing again, like I saw Cookie and TK, and I learned that TK's name stood for Taco King. I think, Taco right? King. Taco King. So I was like, man, like, and they also had like the same hat. Uh, they both had like a, a brigade helm, and one was scorching flames, one was burning flames. And I was like, man, the food pyros are goaded. Like they are, they are, they are, they are cracked. It's a service. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I, I, I always thought that was funny that they, like, they literally like, they had like the, the last breath. Like the brigade helm, I don't know. Uh, I think TK had bunny bunny ears, and then Cookie. Did she have bunny ears? I don't know if she had bunny ears. But mm. but you know, like yeah, they they had like the same as what. So like sometimes I get confused at who I was playing um, because like they 
they both use flares and they both same loadout. But yeah, those two right. definitely two good pyros that were not playing when back then that uh, I saw. And I think it's probably all the pyros that I recognized, like Melon, Marty. Cause I know Spring Rolls wasn't playing. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, those are definitely the the pyros that and I recognized. How how was it like playing against the pyros? Like, did it kind of catch you off guard? Or did they play differently from like when you remembered them, or like was it a different experience playing against like new pyros and spies? Dude, like unironically, like Cookie and TK are fucking goaded on the flares. Like, like it Flare. is like like those two flare punch me more than any pyro I have ever played against back in the day. Like I'm being like a hundred percent like. Maybe you know X Hunter back then. He also flare punched me, but I, like I literally, I'm trying to think right now. Like, I'm gonna look at UGC. I'm gonna look at the matches that Chill Penguins had, and I'm gonna see who I'm gonna see who we played. And I'm gonna remember the pyros, and I'm gonna tell you if they flare punched me often. Okay. okay so season 21, we played DK Billy Soros. Ah, not really. Snail time was Marty. He's shotgun. Uh, Doors pyro was Zuki. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember him using flares too much. Um, Cat one, no idea who the pyro was. MCM pyro was probably spring rolls, but it probably also wasn't. It might have been minty. I'll have to look at that actually to see who that was. I literally don't even remember. Um, Swift Ink, don't remember who the pyro was. MM pyro was Geosis. Definitely didn't flare punch me. Um, Chugger, don't know. Then Hunter was on. Um, Slam jammers and flares punch me. So yeah, no, I like TK 100%. Especially TK flare punches me more than any other player I've ever played against. That, like even more than Hunter for sure. But uh, I don't play against Hunter much nowadays. Um, so you know, shout out to TK right. and Cookie. Those those guys are goaded. Um, literally, I can't remember getting flare punches as much as I have by those two. So that's that's one thing definitely that uh, took me off guard is that those pyros like. Their flare aim is, is like the or not flare aim, I guess like their movement, like when they do the flares, like is is crazy. Like it's crazier than any other pyro that I've played against uh, in quite some time. So that was a shocker. Another shocker was that the pyros didn't use shotgun anymore. And when the pyros nowadays whip out the shotgun, they don't do that much damage with it. So I'm not as scared as now when pyros take out the shotgun. Um when Marty takes it out, I'm like, okay, I'm worried. But most of the time when I think of other pyros who take it out, I don't know if I'm 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 too worried about it. Um, so so that's another thing that was uh, different in that shotgun pyro. The aim of shotgun pyros was not um, what I remember. Oh, our our shotgun aim is is good too. Um, but I also don't play against them too often, so mm. um, easy to slip the mind. So do you think pyros need to work on their pyro mg? Their pyro v pyro mg? Yeah, maybe honestly. <laughs> like 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 sometimes if we're a big game, like I get someone in, I get like. Uh, Paran or something like hit me with a little shotgun versus shotgun pybro. The shogun. Uh, yeah, um, but yeah, you know that's definitely one of the things that um, that definitely um, has not um, was different from back then. That um, you know I was surprised to see. Um, uh -huh. it, it, it's surprising to see to me that I feel like the pyro's flare aim got a lot better, but the pyro shotgun aim wasn't as good. You know, I guess it's just depending on which pyros play. Like I'm sure yeah. Spring Rose played again. Like you know, he'd be laying dudes out. Um, so, but an another, another thing is that, um, like, like a lot of pyro fights now are just, like, really, really silly, because both pyros are using detonator. 
So <laughs> me. <laughs> so, but, but it's like you know, it's like like me and like Pyrus or me and um like I, I don't know Carson or although like uh, I literally never get into fights with Carson because he's um we're like his he's always so far back with mm. the medic and his whole team's like all over our team. But um like Pyrus um his other pyros like um not TK because he slayers. Um, like oh, like like Vox or something. Like like our fights are like just like us just M one each other, air blasting M one air blast because it's like we're literally just we have the detonator. So, so it's like it's just dumb. Do you think pyros these days maybe like they're more specialized than the ones before? Maybe that's why they have less shotgun practice and aim. Yeah, you know that that's actually probably like a good in a good um. Uh, a, a good uh, evaluation of that. That makes sense to me. Um, why, you know, Pyro's flaring because, like, you know, like I said, Cookie and T- TK, like their flaring is really good hunters too. Um, and then you have like the detonator ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then like you, I very rarely like, I don't know any shotgun Pyros in in invite now. Definitely not. I think Figsy, like when she plays. Oh yeah, Figsy, Figsy. You're right. Oh man, I got I got her Figsy. Yeah. yeah, she's definitely a shotgun Pyro too. Um, Probably like the only shotgun straight shotgun pyro that plays. So, you know, shout out to Figsy for you know keeping, keeping, keeping the 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 art alive. You know, <laughs> like the art of shotgun pyro because like literally, I don't think I've ever seen her take out the debt or the flares. Like the, anytime I played her. So, question yeah. American: Have you ever seen me pull out anything but the jet or debt? You know, I think I actually have. I think like what the <laughs> no. I think early preseason of season seven, I saw you use the shotgun like really, really early. But after that, I never saw you take it out. <laughs> Fair enough. So, so I think you learned in that preseason, like like you found your your true calling. Indeed, indeed. So um, yeah. So you said Pyres didn't really use the detonator back in the day. No, no way, no way. I can't think of a single top top pyro in plat that used it. Like even like on the lower end of the pyros, like I don't think of any of the plat pyros you said. Like I don't think Sunfire or June played in plat when I did. So no, no pyros used the detonator or the score shot. Um, That's interesting. Um, yeah. So we had a lot of chats about like the detonator and the scorch shot, and uh, you um you kind of switched your opinion on the scorch shot, right? Like after some of our chat. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I think that I agreed that um, it being so prevalent in the meta makes it so pyros use it, like lower end pyros and stuff will use it a lot, and they won't be able to like develop um, using other things um, like flares or shotgun, and like then you know their skill in those will suffer later. Um, so that's definitely something that you um, made me see, and that um, I definitely agree with is that like. I guess like a, a side effect of the score shop being allowed is that those pyros will use it and they'll get used to using it. And then if they ever have to not use it, you know, they would just, they won't be as, 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 as skilled mechanically as pyros who came before. Right. Hmm. So do you have like 